Hello, everybody, and welcome to Investing with IBD, sponsored by Direction. It's Justin Nielsen here, and it's Wednesday, April 13th. I'm joined by Arusha Pires. He's actually right to my side today. We're in the office together. This is actually my last visit to the office. Uh, next time I come in here, I'm going to need a, a visitor's badge because we are moving offices at IBD. So you see a lot of crates in the background. Uh, you see a lot of empty desks. And uh, a lot of monitors, if anyone wants a monitor, <laughs> I guess, because they're not all coming with us. But um, so it's a little bittersweet one for me because uh, I've been here for 25 years at this office location. And um, yeah, so this is half my life right here. But uh, Arusha Pierce is joining me as always. Uh, O'Neill, Global Advisors, Portfolio Manager. You're staying. So this is not your uh, last time to the rodeo on, on uh, Beatrice Street here. But uh, uh, we'll go ahead and talk a little bit about the market. Uh, we'll share some bill stories. Um, I, I have a few. I'm sure Arusha can pipe in with some too. Maybe we do some Scott O'Neill stories as well, just uh, while we're at it. Um, and then, of course, we'll go over a few stocks that are on our radar. So, uh, how are you doing today, Arusha? Uh, I'm, I'm doing okay. It's been, it's been an interesting day, obviously, with all the moving out and, and things like that. Saying goodbye to people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, uh, it, it's definitely going to be weird uh, not being working down on this floor and, and having this floor not have IBD here. So, so uh, definitely a little bittersweet. Uh, you know, obviously with the market. The, Wait a minute. The, why, why is it sweet? Bittersweet. Yeah, but but I, I want to know yeah. what the sweet part is. Uh, it should just be bitter. You know, like just <laughs> it, it, there uh, should be no sweet Oh, there part. should be no sweet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not down. I, I think it's a little bittersweet. I'll be going up, upstairs again. I'll be sitting up there. I'm actually not sure of you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, well, yeah. It uh, well, I mean, regarding the market. Well, if you think you have a nice view, if you come to the 29th floor where we're going to be and see yeah. all of downtown LA, you can see the ocean, you can see Hollywood sign. I mean, we'll we'll compare views. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. we're not going to compare views because you're definitely going to win <laughs> left and right on that one. Uh, don't don't worry. I'm going to be at home most of the time. So, <laughs> as of you, I'll never see. <laughs> By the way, folks, you're going to have to bear with us because Arush and I don't get together very often, and usually there's a reason for that. I think we were forbidden from uh, being in the same room doing podcasts, but. Uh, we have too many, too, too much fun here um, when we do. Uh, let's go ahead and start with the market. Uh, Arusha, how about you pull up the NASDAQ composite and we'll take a look at what is going on. Um, certainly one of the things that, you know, the market's been looking shaky. So uh, in terms of the big picture, we put the market under uptrend, under pressure a while back. We were actually considering going into correction. Uh, the trick was that the S&P 500 was holding uh, a little bit better than the NASDAQ. Both of them did fall below their 50-day moving average lines. Um, we have distribution piling up. I mean, on, on the NASDAQ composite, we've had four distribution days in the last eight days. So that's kind of a distribution cluster. That's not a great sign. But today's action, very different. Uh, we had a strong move. Uh, over 2% on the NASDAQ composite, strong move on the S&P 500. Uh, what's your take, Arusha? Well, I, I, I kind of feel like we're still, yeah, I call it a bear market rally, call it a correction, call it whatever you want. But I, I think we are in a very tough market. And so whenever you see these really high volatile days, especially the upside after some good selling, and, and Justin, you mentioned the clustering of distribution. When you see a clustering, and I think on the NASDAQ, it's been four 
distribution days within eight days or something. I mean, it's been a really short amount of time. When you see that, that's that's an extra kind of mm-hmm. warning sign or negative to the market. And so now when I see the markets rebound or the NASDAQ rebound up 2%, it looks like the, I, I think the volume was tracking a little bit lower than yesterday. I, I, I don't know how it's finished, but it uh, this just keeps telling me that we very well are, we're still in this kind of volatile bear market type of rally where in bear markets, you'll, you're going to get these really strong upside moves, kind of like what we had a month ago where, and it goes so far enough to make you think that, Hey, we might have a chance here. Mm-hmm. And then they start knocking you back. Uh, so, or if you're not even, if you're thinking we might have a chance here or even worse, Oh my gosh, I'm missing out. I yes. don't have enough exposure yeah. and I, I, I need a scramble. And usually by the time that panic mode hits, uh, that's that's where things are kind of done uh, by the time you get into that mode. Yeah. So the the quick answer is I think we're just still in the same type of environment. This is an environment that you want to be cautious. It's risk off. That being said, if you're going to play this market and there there's a whole section of the market, the energy area, the ags mm-hmm. uh, and and those commodity type of stocks. Those stocks are acting, they're in a bull market, right? So we have this really kind of strange market where it's, there are a lot of stocks that are going through a bear market, but then there's a, a third of the market, it seems like, that's going through a pretty strong run here, a, a, a bull market, uh, and they're acting like tech stocks were acting back in 2020. And so as if you're playing in those and you're, you're getting traction on those, then you know you keep doing that. You know, you're in sync with the market, but in the end, I think the portfolio, how your results are doing, that's what's going to tell you uh, if you're in sync or not with the market. Right. And that's such a good point, because I think a lot of people uh, don't realize that the market is constantly giving you a report card. It's constantly giving you feedback. And if your stocks are working, that's what allows you to put more money to work. But when your stocks aren't working, and Mark Minervini, by the way, he was uh, the guest on IBD Live today. And I mean, he he said it really well. If if you're 25% you know, exposure into the market, uh, why would you increase that to 50% unless you're making money on that 25%? That just doesn't make any logical sense. Uh, so again, you, you use, use your stocks as a feedback mechanism. If you're making good decisions, if you are in sync, if you're making money, that's the market telling you, hey, you're on the right track and uh, then you can start putting more exposure. But as always, you have to be careful of not overdoing it. Um, Bill was always a very, he was a hawk on his average cost because remember, he wasn't buying just once. A lot of times he was getting into a position uh, with sometimes he'd start with half of what he wanted. And then if it went up to two and a half percent, he'd follow that up immediately. Um, and then as it matured, he would get more and more into it, sometimes getting very large position sizes plus the capital appreciation. Uh, but there's no reason to do that until you start making progress. Um, in fact, that can get you out of a lot of trouble if you start with, let's say, a half size position. And then if it doesn't work, well, you haven't lost that much money. It's, it's how you keep your losses small. And when it does work, it's how you put more money into those big winners that end up uh, being your best flowers. He always talked about the, in terms of gardens, you had to, you have to water your flowers and pull your weeds. And so many people are always watering their weeds, thinking they need to put more money into the ones that aren't working because eventually they will work. Um, and then, you know, they take their profits too quickly on the ones that are blossoming. 
Yeah, the market will slowly pull you in and, and it will uh, slowly push you out or sometimes it will quickly push you out. <laughs> but uh, looking back, and hindsight's always twenty twenty. but looking back a, a month ago, we had a falter day on March 16th on the S&P 500 and March 18th on the NASDAQ. And the right move, if you're using our strategy, was to buy stocks and get some exposure to the market. Now, if you weren't making progress on those stocks, you got stopped out, then you're following the methodology still and and you're lightening up at that point. So it's not necessarily like you shouldn't have been in the market over the last month or so. You should have been trying stuff to get feedback. Now, if you tried some of the commodity stocks, you're making progress. Maybe you're increasing your exposure over the last month. But if you tried some of the technology stocks that did so well in 2020, uh, you, you might have made a little progress and then you probably gave it all back in the last couple of weeks. And so now you're backing away. So in the end, you have to listen to the market and also look at the, your results to tell you whether you're making progress or not or and which will tell you whether you're in sync with the market or not. Mm-hmm. And I, I, will, I will say that was a tricky part about the March 16th follow through day. And we've talked about this is that we had so much of the bottom fishing happening yeah. where it was it was the Shopify's, it was the Chinese stocks, the things that were down 70, 80 percent off their highs. Those were moving up. And granted, the moves were big. You know, they were, you know, sometimes 10 percent, 20 percent moves in a week. But Okay, now it's still sixty percent off its high. So what what exactly do you do with that? Um, yeah, and it doesn't always have to be stocks. We've talked to a number of guests that have been on where sometimes they're doing ETFs. You know, one way that you can do it is maybe you just throw on a market ETF uh, during a follow through day when a follow through day happens, and then as the stocks set up, especially in a situation where the stocks aren't setting up as much, and so then if you get that market ETF, let's say QQQ or SPY, which is the NASDAQ 100 and the S&P 500 respectively, well then you can start decreasing your exposure in the market index once more stock set up and you you kind of shift it. Um, So that's something that I've seen a lot of people do. And if you really feel like you need to get exposure quickly, you can always use some of the leveraged ETFs. Um, You know, there's QLD on the Qs or SSO on the S&P 500. Those are both 2X or you go TQQQ on the queues for the triple leveraged and UPRO for the S&P 500 on the S&P 500. So again, a lot of ways to do it. We did the UPRO on leaderboard um, and then we backed away as our exposure got higher in stocks. Then we started just getting out of our uh, S&P 500 UPRO position and you know sold it into strength and actually uh, didn't didn't go through much of this downturn in UPRO uh, in this case. So again, it's just all about that balance, um, you know, finding the right level of exposure and letting the market tell you. Um, so, you know, before we before we get into our second segment, let's talk a little bit about what you, you mentioned some of the stocks that were driving things forward. Uh, it certainly seems like, you know, at least today and, you know, what, what's been setting up the most, it's kind of our old familiar names, the cyclical stocks, the oil stocks. Um, but uh, leisure, uh, lodging, travel, some of those were kind of looking interesting today. Um, do you think there's been so many of these reopening plays that have tried? Uh, do you think that that might be, you know, what, third, fourth times a charm? Potentially. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I'm, I'll, I'll just quickly pull up like Hilton here. And, and so that had a, a pretty good day. It's forming a cup with the handle here. Uh, it's, it really kind of broke out of that descending channel within the handle and so it's it's within a percent of breaking out here uh so it has a chance here i mean the relative strength line is uh, acting pretty well mm-hmm. it's almost in new highs uh, at this point it, it essentially is at new highs so 
so yeah, it, it might have that chance here. Uh, it really comes down to your conviction in, in this in the reopen play, uh, and taking. Sometimes you'll have to take uh, two or three shots right. at these. And now there are plenty of times where with that third shot. Uh, I'm always saying there's no way I'm going to try it again, and I don't, and that's when it goes right. right. So, so it just really just comes down to: Do you really want to capture it if it's going to go, or or are you willing to get shaken out a few times on it? So, it looks pretty good here. Let me pull up Expedia uh, just to take a look at that one. Now, this one still needs a little bit more time. It's working on a handle below the 50-day, but uh, it's had a pretty nice shakeout, so it wouldn't surprise me for this to start working again if if there is that true uh if the true money or the big money is really now starting to come into to the market into this area but right now i mean leisure travel booking is 161 as a group out of 197 so it, you might have a little bit of time to truly let some of these stocks prove themselves uh before you have to get into them or you could stick with the the ones that have been truly working, which are the energy stocks, the commodity stocks, the ag stocks, uh, that when you look at the the industry groups, and Justin, I think we went over this the last time we had our we time, but uh, just the industry group rankings, right? And you mm-hmm. show this on IB Live every week. It is just like the top 15, maybe like 13 out of the top 15 are commodity stocks. Oil, oil, oil. Exactly. <laughs> Energy <laughs> coal. <laughs> I mean, it has been yeah. screaming at you yeah. to stay in that area. And if you were, there's the, the this is the Livermore line of least resistance. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about the stocks going through base building process and working through supply, overhead supply and things like that. They're breaking out and they're trending well. And so plenty of times you just want to keep it simple and just go with the stocks that are truly in demand. And you can look at it the, from a relative strength basis, the stocks that are breaking out first and when the market's turning around or just as simple as looking at the industry groups and what are the top 20 What are the top 40 industry groups? Yeah, absolutely. So when we come back, we're going to get into a few uh, bill stories from Beatrice Street, uh, a little bit of a retrospective on on our time here, or at least my time here since Arusha's staying, uh, and then we'll get into some more stocks. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. The Direction Hydrogen ETF offers exposure to the top 30 pure play hydrogen economy companies by largest market capitalization, leading the way towards net zero emissions by providing more accessible, efficient, sustainable solutions across five hydrogen-related sub-themes. With clean hydrogen-based energy expected to grow five times in the next 30 years, companies building hydrogen-related businesses to generate power, heating, transportation, and more will likely thrive. Okay, welcome back to Investing with IBD, sponsored by Direction. It's Justin Nielsen here, along with my good buddy, Arusha Pires from O'Neill Global Advisors. He's a portfolio manager there, and he's a portfolio manager that is staying in this building. Whereas <laughs> this is my last day in the building. So uh, anyway, let's go ahead and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the stories over the years. Um, and we might as well start out with a lot of people kind of ask about Bill's routine. And I have to say that Bill O'Neill, the chairman and founder of Investors Business Daily. Uh, again, I worked for him from 1999. September of 1999 is when I got hired uh, by Bill, uh, two years after starting at IBD. And I worked with him until, what, 2015, something like that. Um, and 
one of the things about him is just his discipline. You know, he just every week he had his routine, what he did. And uh, uh, Arusha is going to be my Vanna White next to me. He's going to show the uh, the big maroon books because this was part of his routine while I worked for him. Every Saturday morning, he would get these huge books. And you can kind of see, you know, it's 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 Arusha's whole torso, basically. <laughs> and uh, he would flip through these books. Now, this is. This is volume one that you're seeing, folks. Uh, it's, it's, it's hundreds of pages. So I think all told, it would be about a thousand pages, um, charts, charts, and more charts. And he'd just go through those. It would start with the top industry groups. That's where it would start. You know, So right now, it would be looking at a lot of oil stocks, a lot of coal stocks. Uh, and then he would just go through, and he would be looking for patterns. Now, these charts, and this is where Market Smith, you know, the ideas of putting these fundamentals on the charts came from. He wanted to have as much information as possible on these so he could make good decisions. Um, and when he liked something he saw, he'd rip out the page and put it next to him. Yeah. And uh, he'd start making notes, put put a whole bunch of those together. And that's that's where he would start. That's where he would start his research every Saturday morning. Uh, Scott O'Neill would tell stories of how that was that was his childhood. You know, at the breakfast table, uh, they, there, there would be those charts, you know, that, that he would go through. Um, so certainly one of the things that I think made Bill so successful was his approach, his discipline. Uh, again, trying to take as much of the emotions out of the equation as possible. Um, and so I saw him apply that, you know, year after year after year. And it doesn't matter what kind of environment the market was in, he was still going to be looking at charts, uh, no matter what, to see what was setting up, to see what was looking the strongest, to see what relative strength lines were holding up the best, and to see which groups were also setting up and potentially going to take the leadership positions. Um, what about you, Arusha? Anything on your end? Well, yeah. Well, I, 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 the regarding Bill, I would say, you know, obviously we all know that Bill is one of the legendary stock investors out there. He, he boiled the 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 stock a stock strategy down that others could actually learn from. Right? Mm -hmm. He kind of classified it enough that he created a framework. And and so I was a customer year, years ago and. I learned it and I was inspired by it enough to come in and work here. And I remember going to an event in 2002 in New York, watching Bill O'Neill analyze charts. And I remember that last hour where he's taking questions. But I also remember him saying, Justin, pull up this chart. <laughs> right. Justin, yeah. pull up that chart. And so Justin was in the background there pulling up. And I think it was in the on the laminate. Oh, was it okay? I, it might have been. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. Some well, I, I think, computers... yeah, in 2002, uh, we were just maybe like just shifting over to PowerPoint. Yeah. Um, Margot Schuster, who worked yep. with us years and years, um, she was a little nervous when I said, look, I just want to put this stuff online, you know, have it on the computer. Uh, so even when I w put everything on PowerPoint, uh, she still would have the, the Elmo, uh, I think is what it was called, where you could put uh, the paper, you know, or whatever, and it would project it onto the screen. Um, so... We, we still went a full year, you know, kind of with both for a while yeah. there. Um, but, you know, certainly it was one of the things when I first started with Bill, uh, those, everything was on transparencies. Yeah. So we would have the workbook and, you know, the workbooks, again, we would, we would have a lot of printing time that we had to kind of do um, ahead of time to print the books. But then Bill would often say, hey, no, you know what? stocks were breaking out we have to show these stocks now and so it would almost be like a stop the presses issue like okay we have to we have to do some changes uh and 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 put some more charts in here or update the charts to show the recent action because we didn't have uh daily graphs online 
uh, quite yet in, in some of those cases. Um, so yeah, it was, it was one of those things he wanted to have the, the breakouts in there. Um, and so, uh, every now and then, you know, he would, he would usually stick to the script in terms of, okay, these are the charts I'm going to cover, but every now and then he would say, oh no, we need to show such and such. And so I had a big accordion folder where I had all of the transparencies broken down by, uh, you know, here's one through 10, here's 10, you know, 11, wow, 10, 20. Wow, wow. and so I'd have to say, okay, what page number is that? Ask someone in the audience and they'd tell me, and then I'd go, <laughs> you know, flip through it. And then, uh, you know, Bill would say, you know, there were a couple of times where you put that on there and it was crooked. You know, you have to make sure you put it on there. <laughs> um and stuff because he was he was absolutely a perfectionist um you know he he wanted to really put on a good show really you know uh show people that hey we we, we had our stuff together and so he's like you know if you if you put it on crooked people are gonna you know think that we don't know what we're talking about and and stuff so yeah uh, you know and keep in mind you know i, I just i just did a event in miami and of course you know covid is is a, a factor here you know and we you know we we have much much smaller numbers but uh, back when Bill was doing these, of course, he's a larger draw than I am, um, you know, but it was also charging, you know, $800 for you yep. know, his visits. I'm sure that's yep. about that's, how much that's he seven ninety five. Yeah. Um, seven ninety five, And uh, we would have a thousand people. Um, in fact, one of the first things that I did when I first started working um, at, at uh, Investors Business Daily, uh, one of my first trips abroad, uh, it was to Philadelphia. And that's where I met Mike Webster, actually. Uh, this was a satellite seminar. So <laughs> how crazy is this? What we used to do is Bill would be in a location and he'd have like 1,500 people watching him in that location, let's say in Woodland Hills. And we would, across the country, beam that by satellite to 20 different cities across the nation and into hotels where we would also have a thousand people in a hotel room watching a screen it's incredible. of Bill uh, in New York. You know, he, he would, you know, be doing it from LA, broadcasting by satellite to New York, to Miami, to North Carolina, you know, everywhere. Um, and I mean, we would have, you know, thousands and thousands of people watching this at the same time. And so someone from IBD would be at every city they'd fly out yes. to make sure well, and manage we'd it. We'd have a whole crew because we wow, had wow. the person that was leading it. We had someone that was leading the tech. And then we had the salespeople or, you know, sometimes it was just a mishmash of people, whoever we could grab. Hey, you, you know, you, you look like a warm body. Uh, <laughs> you jump on this plane and... Um, you know, when people have questions about the paper, because the paper was really the only product at that time, um, you know, answer questions and, and sell the, you know, sell the subscription, you know, uh, which was a hundred and something dollars a, yep. a year at that point. Yep. So um, it was interesting because, uh, you know, the getting to know Bill over the years, uh, that book, you know, that was kind of the start of one of his companies. You know, he had multiple companies and one of the companies was O'Neill Data Systems. And the reason he came up with a printing company in the first place was because he had these books that he was uh, creating. And, you know, first for uh, his William O'Neill and company, the, the data graphs for institutional investors, then daily graphs for the retail investor. And he didn't like the prices that the people were charging, how they kept on raising the price on them. So he said, well, I'll come up with a printing company. And then he had all this downtime on the printing presses that he had um, as he was, you know, printing everything basically on Fridays uh, to be delivered on Saturdays uh, to people around the, the country. Uh, and then he's like, okay, well, I can print car manuals and I can print uh, the, the benefits, uh, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the uh, 
for the healthcare all the and all stuff, right? Industry, you know, all the different providers, you know, uh, and stuff like that. And, you know, that, that company is still doing well today. It's transitioned into a lot more personalized stuff, like the explanation of benefits. Mm -hmm. It's so funny because the for a while there, the hardest place to get into was the printing press. You know, your badge could kind of, you know, really just cut off right there because of all the HIPAA rules. So you yeah, think with all yep. the stock market data that we had, it would be really, you know, really tight. But man, ODS, that was that was the hard part it's to true. get into. So, so Justin, let, let me uh, ask you a few questions because you've been here for over 25, well, no, not over 25, 25 years, years. Like yeah, 25, years. 25 years in September. Yeah, yeah so. something's a little sensitive, yeah, yeah close enough. <laughs> right. but, uh, but uh, so how did you become Bill's assistant, right? Mm -hmm. You start, well, how do you start out with IBD first? And then how'd you end up as Bill's assistant? Well, it was interesting because I started out in customer service. You know, I, I went to a temp agency um, right before this. I was, uh, you know, working in the mailroom uh, at, at, creative artist agency in, okay. in Century City, okay. you know, for a little bit. And I was doing that for a little while. I just, my idea was I wanted to become a teacher. I wanted to do some stuff in the business world for a year. So I wasn't looking for anything, um, you know, huge. I just wanted to kind of experience something in the business world. So I was doing that for a little bit. Uh, and then uh, the the recruiter that I was working with at the temp agency said, hey, there's this customer service job. Oh, but you know what? I, I don't know if I should even bring this up to you. I mean, it's six in the morning and you said you weren't really a morning person. And I said, well, what, what, what's the job? And it's like, oh, it's with a financial newspaper. I guess they, you know, talk about stocks and stuff like that. And I'm like, hey, I'd like to learn about stocks. I don't know anything about stocks. So um, I got hired. And what was interesting to me, it was such a dynamic place from the get go. Um, in fact, when I got hired, uh, I, you know, went in and, you know, did these interviews and then I got hired. And when I came back and started work, the building was completely different. You know, the the hallway that I had walked down to my interview yeah. had a wall there, and now Wait, it how was, long? How long was that from your interview? Couple, it was just a couple of weeks, <laughs> just a few weeks, and I was like, "Wait, there, there's a wall here now. Like, what 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 happened?" And you know, because they were they were expanding the customer service area. Wow. Uh, this is back when we had commercials on CNBC yes. running all the time. That's how and, I became a subscriber. Right. <laughs> well, and we. You know, we would take a lot of those calls in house, um, uh, you know, because he was testing, you know, having it outsourced. Yeah. And so I kid you not, there were um, we had this whole program it was called the front end program. Jonathan Howard was, uh, you know, yep. very heavily involved in it. Um, he was running it at one point. And so we would have a little siren that would go off in the customer service room when our commercial would play. And we would know about when it was going to play. And we would go through the building and we would pull anyone that was available. That would include Bill O'Neill, wow. Scott O'Neill, who was the publisher at the time, Wes Mann, who was the editor in chief, Chris Gessel, who was, you know, writing the big picture. Wow. Um, you know, if, if, if they were available to take calls, we would pull them in. And we had these long tables where about 40 or 50 people would be taking calls, wow. taking two week free trial subscriptions, telling people a little bit about the paper. And so sometimes you would call and you would get Bill O'Neill, <laughs> <laughs> you know, saying, hey, you know, check this paper out. I, I think it I think it will you know, do wonders for you. Um, so it was uh, it was just really incredible to me that I was I would be taking calls with Bill O'Neill just a few seats away from me or even, you know, uh, again, I think I, I would see people from William O'Neill and company sometimes get pulled into it, you know, so um, Bill was never a person where, oh, you know, you're too important to do this, this job. It was, you know, hey, when, when it's all hands on deck, it's, it's all hands on deck type thing. And so you, you were working there, answering phones, selling subscriptions. 
how did you transition to becoming Bill's assistant? How'd that happen? Yeah. So, you know what? I, I, I have to blame Scott O'Neill for that one, actually. <laughs> um, when I was working in customer service, I was learning more and more about the paper. Um, I, I became part of the Speakers Bureau, okay. just going out, talking to people about the paper, little investment clubs and things like that. Sometimes we'd even meet in people's houses uh, and, wow. and just, you know, tell them about the paper and, um, you know, small groups and stuff like that. And, you know, eventually I was working on some programs um, that we had where we were, you know, we had like stop, say programs when someone wanted to cancel. We wanted to find out why, because we wanted to get better. And um, I was starting to do a lot of data um, analysis where I was using Excel. Um, the, the VP of operations at the time asked me to kind of help with the project. I learned Excel. I got better and better at it. I was fi finding out, oh, we could do, you know, these formulas will basically tell us anything we want from this data. And mm -hmm. because I was doing that, it was something that Scott O'Neill was overseeing as publisher of the paper. Um, so I was presenting the information to him and eventually presented it to Bill. And he had uh, an assistant at the time that he wanted to move over to head up marketing. So again, he wasn't looking at his assistants as, oh, you just answer phones and stuff. Um, it was, hey, there, there's a lot going on here. And she was a very talented young, young woman and uh, moved her over to the marketing department to run the marketing. Wow. Department. And so uh, he brought me out to lunch one day and I, I thought it was going to be about this project that I was mm -hmm. working on. So I brought all of these papers and files and, you know, uh, it was a warehouse, I think, and, uh, and, and Marina Del Rey is where we ate, you know, just overlooking the water and wow. you know, real nice, you know, setting. Um, and he, you know, said, Hey, I want you to become my assistant. So I was like, okay, this is, this had been two years of me working at the IBD for at that point mm -hmm. and I'm like okay well I guess I guess I can work a few more years just to be you know, oh, that's right. the... were you still hoping to go <laughs> well, more of the still, creative artist agency still, and stuff no, like no, that or no teaching teaching, oh, teaching I, yeah. right okay I wasn't thinking I was going to be a, a you know a creative artist uh, agency <laughs> but uh yeah the, the, the mail room wasn't my uh my aspirations at that point um but yeah so that's 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 where it started and again it just uh one year turned into an uh into the next um, I just felt like I was constantly learning something. Um, one of the things that was kind of funny is I, I didn't necessarily, you know, at first I was doing the phones and I was doing the mail and I was, you know, keeping track of the schedule. Um, I, I put his Rolodex, you know, I, I got a Palm Pilot. Oh. So, you know, I put all of his stuff, this Rolodex in my Palm Pilot so he could call me. I remember him calling me one time I was at the beach with my family and um, I, you know, took the call and he's like, oh, I, I'm, I'm looking for such and such number. And I'm like, I just pulled up my Palm Pilot and had it for him. And he's like, OK, great. Thanks. You know, um, so <laughs> I, I did try and move move the technology forward, uh, you know, quite a bit. Um, but eventually, you know, he ended up having um, some other assistants that got brought on uh, to handle some of the day to day operations. And I got moved to special projects. Um, and when that happened, I, I moved around a lot, you know, because okay. the assistant would be right outside his office. But I sat with ad sales for a little while. I sat with editorial for a little while, sat right next to Susan Warfel, the managing editor, and Ed Carson. Um, those were my, my seat, you know, my seat buddies. Um, I spent some time in marketing, um, you know, so for a little while. So while we were coming up with the stock checkup, I was running data for that, mm -hmm. Mike Webster and um, and Rajneesh Gupta. And, you know, uh, for a while I actually sat with, uh, we had like a product innovation team where it was, um, you know, where I was kind of part of the data team that was looking into different, uh, 
different lists that we had and um, things that we could do with them, things, you know, ways to make them better. So, yeah, I was kind of all over the place. And then at one point, I was sitting right behind you. Uh, That's right. When, yeah. 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 <laughs> when, uh, Which was uh, my happiest time of my life. <laughs> right. So Scott O'Neill, uh, you know, he, he took over the reins once uh, Bill O'Neill retired. And so I went to go work for Scott for a little bit. And, uh, you know, Arusha was was doing a lot of stuff with Scott at that point. Uh, you know, Scott was running running MarketSmith uh, and transitioning to running all of the companies. Um, and you remember Scott would come out every now and then and say, guys need to keep it down <laughs> yeah yeah Justin and i would have a, a little too much fun and because we, we we'd be there for we we'd be there pretty late you know yeah. like we'd start pretty yeah early. right we, uh-huh. we'd be there really late so by that time by the time by the time it became four or five o'clock i mean we were like the only ones in that area besides scott. except for scott right? Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and so we we'd just be talking and kind of like this you know, yeah and, and just cracking each other up and then but you know Scott would come up and then he gets get on us, but he, he kind of, he, he kind but of, but every now and then he yeah. would join in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, uh, but so now, uh, now there, there were times, Justin, where, uh, Bill would sometimes get upset with you. Why don't you share one moment where he, he got upset with you? Well, one, one of my favorites was, uh, this was, you know what, it, it must've been in 2000 because, uh, okay. I remember, that uh, it was, I think the Democratic National Convention was going on in LA. And so I was picking him up from his his home uh, in Santa Monica and bringing him. Um, and he was, you know, I, I had the book fresh off the presses. So he wanted to see the book as soon as it was printed. So um, the, we're the on Maroon a, book. The, no, no, the, the, this wasn't the Maroon book. This was the book for the workshop, you know. Oh, okay. okay. And um, I promise you, I had gotten his approval beforehand, but. Uh, what I was finding sometimes is that, you know, doing this, you know, a- adding these charts at the last minute, one of the problems was that we would find ourselves under a deadline, right? Mm-hmm. And it was taking a long time for the the person who was the, the graphic designer to change all the page numbers. It wasn't like automated, oh, you know? Okay. So sometimes he'd insert a chart and then everything else would, all the page numbers would have to change. So what I designed was, okay, why don't we take it, you know, section by section and we'll say, okay, here's section one, and then we'll label the pages one, two, three, four, five, and then section two, one, two, three, four, five. So if we're going to add something to a section, we only have to change the pages for that. Yeah, section. that's a good idea. You know? So did that. He saw the book and he's like, you know, trying to, he's trying to, you know, copy some of his notes from his old book, you know, because a lot of the charts were the same. Yep. And he's copying it to the new book because uh, he, he just wanted to have the new book there. Um, and this was the first copy, you know, so he's copying some of those. Now, granted, I picked him up. I was on time. I get there. He's in the shower, you know, and, and his wife is just, you know, throwing up her hands. And he, he, I'm sorry. He took a phone call and, you know, I, I couldn't get him off. So, um, so then I'm, you know, kind of like, okay, I'm going to have to hightail it here. And we're on our way to the downtown LA and, and he looks at the book and he's like, what, what's going on with these page numbers? And I'm like, oh, well, this is, you know, and I explained what my thinking was. And he's like, how am I supposed to find page 43? Justin, where's page 43? <laughs> so, so I'm driving. Did you like, say, well, divide by five. <laughs> and then yeah. And so I'm driving, you know, 80 miles per hour, you know, trying to get to the, you know, trying to get to the event on time. And now, granted, I also was, you know, I had to set the computer up, right? You know, oh, I had the presentation on my computer. So, uh, you know, we, we got there like, you know, right as it's supposed to start so i drop him off and then i'm like i gotta find parking somewhere. 
And so I'm, I'm showing up and I'm like, okay, Bill, you're going to have to stall him while I set up. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we, we, you know, he, he was a uh, very, very fun to work with. It was, uh, you know, I, it was one of the best parts of my job because preparing for those seminars, you know, of course I got to sit down with him and he'd go over what he was going to say. And so I get, I could ask him questions yeah. you know? and I'd be like, you know, Oh, you know, so-and-so from the audience wants to know this. And I, Hey, that could be Justin Nielsen, right? You know, just sitting across from him wondering, why, That's is, true. why is this wedging? Why is this example of Microsoft in 1991 not wedging where this one over here is wedging? You know, what's the difference? What are you seeing? And, and so I just got a lot of time like that. And, and that, that was really one of the best parts of my job. So uh, a few a few yelling sessions in the car were, were, were sort of worth it. Now, now there was a rumor that you almost got fired <laughs> one, one time, Justin. Well, I, I didn't almost get fired. It was it was a misunderstanding. Let's say. Okay. You know, um, of course, he was using fax machine a lot. That's you know he was not a um he's not a big tech guy so you know for the longest time it it took it took a lot to tell him like when you want to turn your computer off go to the start button he's like who designed that that doesn't make sense you know <laughs> um so we just told him okay fine just leave your computer on don't worry about it um but there was one time where i'm collecting the faxes from the fax machine and i come across a resume for an executive assistant for bill o'neill and i'm like whoa, wait a minute, what's, what's happening? And this was during one of those times where, you know, so I had to like awkwardly like ask, um, am I getting replaced? And he's like, oh yeah, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have someone, you know, do the phones and the scheduling part. And, you know, so you can just devote more time onto the, you know, the, the project. So oh, uh, okay. he thought it was, he thought it was really funny, you know, cause I, I again, was very pensive when I came into the, the office. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I, I think I might be losing my job. I yeah. Have, yeah. What, what did I do? You know, type thing. Um, but it was, it was a good thing. It, it allowed me to concentrate on so many different things. And it became one of those things where, you know, Bill, just whatever was on his mind. I remember doing a, doing a research project on, uh, when, when Obama got elected, he's like, gosh, this guy is young, you know, Justin, let's find out, you know, young presidents, how they did, how historians rate them. Oh, so interesting. I had 10 different uh, historians and their ratings of the presidents, um, their birth dates and how old they were at inauguration, um, you know, for, you know, years and days, you know, to, to just kind of get an average of, okay, the best, you know, the best rated presidents, you know, how old were they, you know, type thing. So, uh, you know, the, the, the projects ranged from all sorts of different things. You know, sometimes it was um, things for upstairs, you know, things for William O'Neill and Company, uh, things for the portfolio managers. You know, portfolio managers had some, you know, data questions and I'd, I'd help them out with that. So it, it was it was really incredible that I got to uh, have my hands in so many different things and, and just get exposed to so much. And then I, I think the, the way to end this segment, because since this you're, you are leaving Beatrice here. You're, 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 you're just checking to make sure that the lights don't turn off on me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of your favorite moments at Beatrice, just working in the office, and uh, what what comes to mind? Oh, geez. Now, now you surprised me on this one. I wasn't prepared on this one. Um, I mean, there 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 were certainly, um, you know, some of the guests we would have. Uh, it was impressive. Uh, you know, whether it was. Um, you know, congressman, you know, or, you know, Thomas Sowell, you know, yeah. uh, the economist was here and things. Um, you know. oh, we, had, we had McConnell here one time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, that, that was just interesting. Um, uh, sometimes on the trips, you know, I mean, we, we went on a trip once where we were sitting down with uh, Fox News, the, you know, Roger Ailes wow. uh, in, in, wow. in New York. Um, I was in a meeting with him at one point and um, I, I, I drove him to go meet up with George W. Bush. I wasn't in that meeting though. Uh, you know, so it's, it's, uh, 
it was interesting kind of being being in amidst all of that but yeah. there were certainly a lot of times where i'll say that some of the best times were just kind of when there wasn't necessarily something pressing going on and just kind of chatting um you know mike and charles shared an office with bill at one point oh mike charles and scott they were all sharing an office a long office at one point wow. and just after you know after the day we'd be in there just kind of shooting the breeze um and uh, it was it was just a lot of fun you know uh it was he's he's got a, a funny sense of humor uh very very understated but uh Charles and Mike were very good at getting him to to giggle a little bit uh, on, on different things, and he had so many different sayings. Charles and I were at one point wanted to get together a list of Bill's sayings. Yeah, uh, can't put lipstick on a pig. You know, can't kiss all the babies. Uh, you know, and all that. So, uh, just a lot of a lot of good times over the years. Perfect. Thanks for sharing those, Justin. Okay. Well, when we come back for the next segment, we'll talk a little bit more about stocks and get into what things might be setting up right now. Stay tuned. The Direction Hydrogen ETF offers exposure to the top 30 pure play hydrogen economy companies by largest market capitalization, leading the way towards net zero emissions by providing more accessible, efficient, sustainable solutions across five hydrogen related subthemes. With clean hydrogen based energy expected to grow five times in the next 30 years, companies building hydrogen related businesses to generate power, heating, transportation, and more will likely thrive. Okay, welcome back to Investing with IBD, sponsored by Direction. It's Justin Nielsen here and my good old buddy, Arusha Pires from O'Neill Global Advisors, portfolio manager there, and he's the one that's staying here. I'm the one that's going, moving offices, so this is my last uh, my last hurrah at this office uh, after almost 25 years. So uh, we just shared some bill stories. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about some stocks. So um, we talked a little bit about the reopening plays and, and certainly... Um, you know, some of these bottom, you know, these stocks that have been coming off the bottom, uh, we have earnings coming, uh, earnings season coming for a lot of stocks. So uh, Delta was, you know, one of the stocks that you know reported earnings today. Uh, I wasn't quite sure if that's what was, that's what was starting up the reopening plays, if that's what was kind of driving a lot of these forward. But it did seem like a lot of these were setting up. Um, I don't think that Delta is my favorite, but you brought up Hilton. Were there any others in this area that you liked? Um Arusha? Yeah, well, I, I, Hilton, I mean, essentially one one thing that's a, essentially the same as a Hilton, you can bring up Marriott. So the hotels are looking interesting. It looks just like Hilton. Mm -hmm. So even though, and this is, le this is a leisure lodging industry group, so 98 out of 197. So it's not a great industry group just yet. But when you see kind of the move today, it was up more than 7%. The volume was 33% above average. And it's on the verge of breaking out and and this is almost a essentially a cheat area here if you're using that a, a pretty sharp descending trend line but it's within the handle uh coming back up through the 52 so there, there are a number of reasons to consider this one if, if you want to get exposure to the lodging or consider one of the hotels because i'm assuming that a number of these other hotels are mm -hmm. looking very similar too so this is one that's even though it's kind of gone through a number of bases this is essentially a base on a base uh, that relative strength line is right near new highs. And so what that tells me is even though this market has been pretty volatile and in many respects making new lows over the last few months and near lows right now or trying to kind of build out a bottom, uh, Marriott is right near new highs. So it's showing some good relative strength. So the market 
does get another fall through day, comes through, and actually there is kind of a sustained uptrend. You know, so some of these hotel stocks, since they're just simply at new highs, they might have a chance to slowly trend higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, would you consider this a neighbor base? <laughs> yeah. We were talking on uh, IBD Live today how the, the that was a term that you got kind of credit for, uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the neighbor base. When you have a base that it doesn't quite make a lot of progress, um, but it just you know goes immediately into another base. Uh, and sometimes you get these, right, where it's you, you try, it doesn't work. You try again, it doesn't work. And then uh, Bill often you know likened this to John Wooden. He would say, you know, John Wooden used to say, hey, you fake them out once, yeah. you know, this way, you fake them out again that way, and then you you go the other way. Um, and so just as they're getting used to you doing one thing, you, you, you shift it up. And he said, look, sometimes it's like stocks do the same thing. So, it, you know, for some people, and I've, I've been there, I've, I've given some of these a try, and they haven't worked for me yet. Uh, do, you, do you keep on trying until it works? Yeah, I, I, I think this just comes down to what we were talking about before, where it comes down to the conviction. If you if you really believe in this reopen, uh, the reopen play, and you really think that the hotels are poised to benefit, and uh, you, you this is where you would take a shot at them, right? Or, or wait till it breaks out at one past the 179 uh, area, and you take a shot and then just see what happens. It's on, on a technical level, it has resisted this market, this kind of downtrending, choppy uh, correction type of market pretty well. And so this this is, uh, the, I think that you, this, this is well worth giving a shot if you, this is the type of stock you want to go for and you have conviction. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, when, when these markets really start to come around, there are, a number of names that are going to come around now obviously we mentioned the energy stocks have already been working but if this rise can get stronger and stronger you need more participation from other groups and so maybe this lodging group is going to be one of them uh and so this should be on the list of things to consider at least mm-hmm. so uh one of the groups what that was up at the top was leisure lodging as you mentioned it looks like that was group number three in terms of price percentage change for groups today uh so that's something worth keeping an airline transportation airline was number four uh so that's something that you can get in MarketSmith under industry groups daily percent change not a lot of people realize that's there so you can kind of keep track of what's happening on a daily basis intraday uh even just to kind of figure out what's going on with the industry groups um now but go justin going to delta mm-hmm. this has and and i also pulled up the jets which is the etf of the airlines mm-hmm. this has plenty of work to do both delta jets and so this would be further down the list right yeah. so if i wanted exposure to the reopen play or the the whole economy kind of waking up and everyone wants to get outside and really start traveling again i just Going off the charts, not necessarily looking at the fundamentals just yet, but really going off the charts here, I'm going to lean more towards the hotels because they're setting up. They're right near new highs. Uh, the Jets, the Delta Airlines, and I'm sure United and a number of these other ones, they are still in downtrends. They're just trying to establish bottoms, and there's a lot of overhead supply uh, that it has to go through. So there's a lot of previous highs that it has to fight through. That's all resistance. And so you have to be more patient for those. So if you want that that exposure to the reopened plays here, at least between lodging or airlines, you have to lean more towards lodging. Yeah. 
And American Airlines was a big driving force uh, behind behind that. It was up uh, over 10%, so even more than Delta with its earnings. Um, and of course, American Airlines AAL has earnings coming up soon. Um, but one of the other groups that was right underneath that in terms of performance today was Energy Coal. This has been one of the most consistent names in the top three, let's say, in the top five at least, uh, for, for weeks and weeks. Uh, let's maybe take a look at Arch Coal, uh, Arch Resources. And uh, this is one that we were kind of looking at for, for Swing Trader as it kind of got above this 150 level. Um, we were waiting for the volume to come in, um, you know, some, some volume signature, and it just seemed really light. And then, man, right at the end of the day, uh, at, literally at 1 p.m. Pacific time, at the close, there must have been a buy on close bunch of buy on close orders because the volume just really spiked at the end there um what, what do you think of the the coal or is there is there one that you like better in this in this industry and is it too late you know with the moves that these have made well i actually own a little bit of arch resources here uh so i do like the coal group it is ranked number two and a number of stocks here are acting really well i i, I almost want to say that some of them are potentially forming high tight flags. You could even argue, uh, let, let me go on a week leader, but even Arch Resources here, I don't. It, it has the resemblance of a high tight flag. I don't know if it necessarily meets the definition on the kind of the pole part right. of the flag. Maybe it might not be a as... little too long, <laughs> but it, it, it's, the, it, it's gone up 100% in a short amount of time. Maybe a little, little, usually it's like eight weeks is the maximum for kind of that initial run. So this is gonna be is pretty close. Uh, and then it pulls back uh, two to four weeks, and so this this looks like it's like four to five weeks. Maybe it's pulled back, but so maybe it's not exactly a high tight flag, but it it's fun, kind of falls in that concept. And there are a number of coal stocks that look like this. They had these really powerful runs. They've taken a, a short time off, gone sideways, and now they're trying to resume higher. And so RS rating of a, a 99, the RS line is just straight up, and so they're if the market is to continue and if say the market really starts an uptrend here a lot of times those stocks that haven't really given back that much they're the ones that can continue to go higher so yeah i do like this group i think it looks interesting and so arch resources is one that i did take a shot at some of the others were a little too extended and so mm -hmm. I, I actually bought it yesterday justin uh, but that was not me uh, with that big volume. <laughs> okay, well, you're you're. Uh, th thanks for making that confession or lack of a confession. I guess uh, <laughs> I was more with Aunt Betty. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, you know what? Uh, let's let's go ahead and take a look. You know, because again, when we're talking about the things that have been working, I mean, we have to include oil in there. Um, and one one that kind of popped on my radar today. You know, it, it's been on there a, a, a bunch. Is one oak uh, OKE. Um, this is in the transport pipeline. Uh, again, a lot of things associated with oil have been doing well. Uh, it seemed like there was a little bit of a pullback in some of the oil stocks, but this one really just seemed to flatten out. It's being, you know, it's it's holding right above its 21-day moving average line. Uh, it, it, it broke out recently, but it hasn't quite had the moves of a lot of oil stocks. So uh, it's in a different industry, being in transport pipeline. So. Do you ever shift to say, okay, are some of these going to come on strong? Uh, some of the infrastructure plays, or is it, hey, you know what, you got to go with where the strength is, and the ones that have been uh, moving first are the ones where you want to stay. Yeah, I almost feel like you've been looking at my portfolio, Justin, because I do own this this stock too. Uh, now, the only re the simple reason why I got into the stock is I just 
was too slow to get into some of those other stocks or got shaken out of some of those faster moving oil stocks. So I just wanted more exposure to the industry. And so I bought this one. I kind of put this in the second tier category because it hasn't been the rocket ship like a lot of the other oil stocks. But that being said, oil is one of those type of areas that I, where they all kind of travel together. Mm -hmm. And so even second tier, third tier, uh, they can still end up doing pretty well. So having some exposure is better than having none, as opposed to some of these growth stocks where you really want to get the either the first or second within that group. So this one's hanging in there. I do like that. It's been going sideways for a few weeks. It's putting a three weeks tight. RS line is right near new highs. Uh, so that is a positive. I think I brought this up on IB Lab a couple of months ago when it was breaking out of that base or getting really close to breaking out of that consolidation. But it hasn't moved. It's only 7% from that point versus some of these other oil right. stocks have made a lot more progress. So if I had a choice, you, you want to be more with those leaders, but I have to wait for those leading stocks, uh, oil stocks, to come back and, and give me a more proper entry before I could kind of get more into those. Mm -hmm. That's been tough because some of the some of the pullbacks have been on the steeper side sometimes, and you're like, okay, well, is is this too steep now? I mean, it, it just uh, one of the things that I think One Oak has going for it is just that that really tight action. You see the little blue shaded area if you're looking at the Market Smith chart on the video uh, portion of this podcast, and uh, you know when you when you see that. It's it's something that's very striking. A lot of times, Bill would talk about that. You know, I certainly learned about this working with him on the books. Uh, successful investor and uh, how to make money in stocks. Where right after breakout, when he would see that, he would call it the the stealth accumulation that institutions were doing, where they would be saying, "Hey, you know, if if there's any shares that come up, just just buy them. You know, just buy them at whatever price." And so, uh, not whatever price, but at at this limit and. Uh, a lot of times you would get that pattern, that three weeks type pattern afterwards. So great. Well, Arusha, thanks for being here, uh, coming into the office. Uh, Likewise. On a, on a day. Right, exactly. It was, it was good having a send off uh, from you. And we'll definitely invite you over to the new offices at some point <laughs> so you can see what a real view looks like. And, uh, uh, or, or I'll just invite you to my house. And we'll, you know, <laughs> it'll right. be live from Justin's dining room table. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have to do this again in person again. Absolutely. Sometime. Okay. Uh, on the show next week, we have Eric Kroll coming back. He is, uh, he's, he's actually one of the guys that I was uh, initially going out to one of his meetup groups. That's when I first met Eric Kroll uh, out in Chicago area. And uh, he's been at this for a long time. He's written a book along with some of his co-authors on the life cycle trade. And he has a lot of data on the follow through days. And he'll be sharing some of his recent updates to that data when he talks with us next week. So hope you tune in for that. Thanks for uh, being with us this show and uh, humoring humoring me through my stories. Uh, it was a pleasure uh, being at this office in Beatrice Street for so long and uh, looking forward to another another few decades uh, of this in a, in a new office. So looking forward to that. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We'd love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.